Good morning. Well, before we get into the message this morning, um, I think it's fitting to go into a time of prayer for two tragedies that have uh, happened recently. So, Father, uh, it's hard for us to watch the news about the earthquake in Turkey and Syria uh, without being brokenhearted, Lord. And we ask that you would show your power there, Lord, that you would cause the believers and the churches in those countries to comfort and to encourage and to provide hope and, and healing, Lord. Lord, it's too big of a project. It's too big of a disaster uh, for us to not ask you to help. And so please, Lord, please show your love and comfort to those, uh, the families of the 30,000 plus that have, have died already. Um, countless more, it seems like missing. And so we ask you to show your power there, Lord. And, and closer to home, God, it uh, devastates us to hear about a Cornerstone family member, uh, the Orange County Deputy Haney, that, that died in a car crash and uh, leaving behind a wife and a one-month-old Lord, first day back on the job and just exhausted. And, and so, Lord, we ask that you would comfort this family. Lord, it hurts so much to hear this story. And so would you capture their tears in a bottle, Lord? Would you come alongside them? Would you help them not to give up, but to look to you, Lord? Help us to know how we can best comfort uh, Leslie and her child, Lord, that are left behind. So we, we ask that you'd help, God. We don't know what else to do besides remind ourselves that you are still good, even though these bad things are happening, Lord. So we commit it to your faithful hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, there's no easy segue after that, so I'll just get into it. That's just tough. That's really difficult for us to, to hear. But this is the biggest weekend in sports, but not for the reason that you're aware of. Yesterday, there was a U.S. men's and women's championship match for curling. Yes, the national championships were yesterday, so the Dean family, along with you, were glued to the television watching those amazing games, matches, games, who knows what you call a curling match, right? But, and then today we get to see who wins, the Philadelphia cheesesteaks or the Kansas City barbecue ribs. We will, it will be determined later. Both quarterbacks are uh, Christ followers, and so they're both praying to win, so I think it's going to be the first ever tie. First ever tie ever. Well, listen, this Tuesday is either the day you hate or love. It's Valentine's Day. Hate it or love it, it's happening. $17 billion given to this day. We wanted to add some money to that day. So the Dean family is hosting a dinner for singles at our house. That's how romantic I am to my wife. We're having all the singles of the church over. But listen, the Dean family knows how to party. Come hang, whether you hate it or love it, come hang with the Dean family. So it's on our website app, or you can text in to get that information. All ages, 20 to 99. 20 to 99. If you're 100, that's too much of a liability for us to, to, have, to have you over. There's probably going to be one person that's 100 that's offended, but that's okay. Listen, um, it's not okay. I'm just a bad person. That's what I mean. Listen, Hebrews. Hebrews. It's in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can open to that. The author of Hebrews is trying to convince us of one main point. I believe Jesus is better. He's better than our idols. We talked about last week, and we're going to continue to see how Jesus is better this week. And so, specifically, this portion of Scripture, I think, is designed to inspire lifelong faithfulness to Jesus. So, we pick it up in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Just as Moses was faithful in all God's house, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, 
Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and to the hope in which we glory. So we see from this part of scripture that Jesus is even better than our faithfulness, than our best efforts to follow God. Jesus is better than that, thank God, because we go through seasons of faithfulness and and not being faithful. The example we see here is the most faithful one of the Old Testament. Moses himself is said to have had amazing faithfulness. He was a great servant. But even Moses wasn't able to enter into the promised land because of an unfaithful moment, a moment of unbelief. And now Jesus here is is set up in contrast as being perfectly faithful. Jesus will never let us down. The the tricky part is verse 6. Verse 6 it says, and we are God's house if indeed, it's conditional, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So this is that tension point in the scriptures where where God is the author of our salvation and we are eternally secure in the hands of Jesus. We cannot get out of there, right? And yet, we are warned that we need to stay close to Jesus, right? That we need to follow after him. The tricky part of holding firmly is, you know, true commitment to Jesus is determined over a long time period, not just the initial emotional decision to follow him. But if Moses... The most faithful person that we see maybe in the Bible apart from Jesus, if he didn't have enough faithfulness, and how are we going to make it, right? That's what we're going to be talking about today. How can we possibly have a faith that perseveres, an enduring faith? How can we go from a moment now where we say, I believe in Jesus and his work of salvation, and decades from now, I will still believe Sometimes that makes us nervous. We don't know how we're going to respond to future difficulties and and temptations. But keep in mind, this is about faith, not perfection. We're not predicted to have this perfect and mature life afterwards, but will we still have faith? The next few verses are going to show us how this is possible, how we can continue to believe. But before we get into them, I, I like the beginning and the end of this passage remind us of the most important truth above and beyond our strength to believe in God. And it's verse six where it says, but Christ is faithful. Jesus is faithful. That's the key when we start worrying about ourselves and whether or not we are good enough. We're never gonna be good enough. Christ is faithful. He's the one that's going to do it. Look at the example given in verse seven. Verse, it's, it's quoting Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. We see here, if we want faith that perseveres, faith that lasts, that can come when we have a heart of gratitude. It can grow as we are grateful to what God has already done in our lives. Now we learn this by negative example, speaking of the Israelites in the wilderness, Right? They were not grateful, and that was a problem. But before I even talk about that, look at how the Holy Spirit pleads with us, where he says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. 
This is still the plea of the Holy Spirit. Do not harden your heart and walk in unbelief instead of belief. There's a sense of urgency here as the Holy Spirit pleads with us. But that word today means that this is a real offer, right? When, when maybe you've experienced this. You see somebody in the hallway of church or at work and they say, oh, how are you doing? We should get together sometime. And then you keep walking with zero plans to ever get together. Get together sometime means never. Just be offended the next time someone says that. Just be offended and give them a look right away. You know what they're doing. But if someone says, we should get together today, you know it's a real offer. Today means they're ready, they're prepared for you, they want to hang out with you. You could say yes at any moment, and today, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. Today, don't harden your hearts. Today, we have an opportunity for repentance, for choosing to follow the Lord. It could have been different for Israel. They could have had gratitude, but instead it says, for 40 years, they saw what I did, and yet disobeyed. The Israelites were saved out of slavery from Egypt with 10 powerful plagues, and then the Red Sea was parted miraculously, how could they ever not believe in their God? How could they ever twist his intentions when he was saving them so powerfully? But because they didn't have gratitudes in their heart, they saw, they saw it all, but because they didn't remember with gratitude, their memories were poisoned with unbelief. And so they got to a point where they would say, God brought us out here because there wasn't enough space in Egypt to bury us. That's why we're here, really. That's why God did all those miracles was to bury, but this is what unbelief can do to us. We can twist the heart of God instead of being grateful. But if we would take time to remember how good God has been in our lives, look at the Bible and see how good he's been to all humanity, but he's also been so good to us and he is good to us and practicing a heart of gratitude keeps our hearts soft and reminds us to trust in the Lord in the moment, just like God came through in the past when we thought maybe he wouldn't. And so gratitude, if you struggle with gratitude, then maybe this week, lay aside all of your other prayer requests, as important as they are, and don't come to God with your needs and your wants, your desires. For, for this week, every day when you pray, just thank the Lord for new things. Just continue to build on a list of ways and reasons that you can thank the Lord and watch what it does to your heart to, to build in you contentment and gratefulness for what God is doing even in this moment. And so faith perseveres with the heart of gratitude, but also in verse 12 we see, it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is, is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here we see that faith, faith perseveres with the help of other people. We cannot do this in isolation. We can't do this alone. But first, speaking of unbelief, sometimes we talk about unbelief or, or believing in Jesus like this. We say, oh, you really should give it a try. Oh, you really should just give the gospel a try. Try and, try and trust in, in Jesus as if it's not really a big deal whether they believe or not. No, it, it means everything whether or not we believe. In this passage, unbelief isn't called like, oh yeah, well, you know, they're still, you know, they're gonna wait a few years and keep asking the right question. No, unbelief is called sinful here. In other translations, it's described as evil. It's the will, not necessarily even the mind that is involved here. Unbelief is, is opposition to what God is doing. The Israelites had everything they needed to make a decision. Ten plagues, great sea, prophetic word for Moses. They had everything, 
And we have to ask ourselves, is it really one more question that we need answered? It's right to do the research. This isn't something you jump into lightly. But once we've done the research on who Jesus is, what the gospel is, we have to choose if we are going to believe or not. Now, persevering in faith, it's a community project. We have to do this together. If you want a faith that lasts, you have to be around other believers who have the, who have the permission to encourage you and to challenge you, right? We need to be around each other. And so if we wanna grow our faith this year, maybe it's making the decision, hey, I come to church once or twice a month, but this year I'm, I'm coming every week that I'm in town because the word of God is going to increase our faith, right? Maybe this doesn't happen as often on a Sunday, but, but what if we got to church an extra 10 minutes early to meet people and lingered another 10 minutes late? We'll figure it out with the parking lot. We know that'll be a disaster, but we'll figure that part of it out. But what if we met more people and spoke into the lives of those around us? And maybe Sundays aren't the best time for that, but being in a group, a life group or discipleship group is a great time for that. Just this past Tuesday, we had a, just a sweet hour of prayer with 30 people. We got together, we sung one worship song, but then we just prayed together. And the Holy Spirit was doing beautiful ministry one to another as people were comforting each other with, with prayer and joining in and, and saying amen as people were pleading for prodigal children, as we were praying for those in, in Turkey. And the ministry one to another, the encouragement was so beautiful to watch. We're gonna have three more of those this year and every Sunday morning at 8.30 in the morning we've got prayer available before service and next steps. And after every single service, whether I say it or not, we've got a prayer team available. We need each other. We need to unload our burdens and carry them for each other. And there's just as much urgency in our responsibility to encourage other people to believe in God as there is in our individual responsibility. That same phrase today is used in speaking of encouraging one another. So as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, we need to encourage one another. And so there's urgency from the Holy Spirit directly to our hearts saying, don't harden your hearts, believe in God. And then there's urgency that we would speak to one another to believe in God because when we choose to willfully go down a path of sin, ultimately it's because of unbelief. Ultimately, it's because we believe that the worldly pleasure is going to be better than God's promises, and so we go after it, and we need others to challenge us and say, no, believe in God's plan. You don't need, sin is deceitful, it's described as in this passage, and so we need to speak to each other. And in chapter four, verse one, it says, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, belief. Verse nine, there, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And so faith perseveres with a heart of gratitude. It's gonna grow in that environment. Faith perseveres with the help of other people, but faith also perseveres with healthy fear and effort. We can't just let God, even though he initiates our salvation, just run the whole thing while we sit on the couch. There needs to be a bit of a healthy fear. What we fear here, in this translation it says, let us be careful, but others let us fear. What we fear is unbelief, falling short. Almost believing isn't enough. I was almost, I almost believe in God. That doesn't help us at all. Right, it's like saying, I, I almost made it to the boat when I was drowning and swimming. Well, that it just didn't, doesn't matter, you're dead. I almost jumped over that chasm and, and reached the other side of the cliff. Well, then you're dead. 
I almost believed in Jesus isn't enough. This isn't like a, a long jump in track and field where you, you're aiming for a record and, oh, I, I did better than before, but I just almost beat that record. No, this is, this is a, a leap for our own lives. We have to cling to Jesus for our salvation. It's okay to fear. It's, I, fearing in certain categories is just wise. I want my kids to have a healthy fear of cars in the street. But that doesn't mean that they should have that fear while they're playing in our driveway, while they're on the sidewalk, or while they're in the backyard. That wouldn't make any sense. But I, when that ball rolls out into the street, I want them to remember, well, Dad, Dad freaks out when we go into the street without looking both ways. Because it's a big deal when a car comes swinging around and you put out those little yellow children at play signs and I feel like those are just targets. The people are like, yeah. <laughs> they get crazy in our neighborhood. That doesn't help at all. It's better not even to use them, I think. I want my kids to see the street and be like, hey, the, the street isn't the devil, but I need to be careful because a car hitting me means car wins and so I don't want to be involved in that. That's healthy. And we should have a healthy fear of the author of life and the judge of our souls. It doesn't mean we always go around fearing him just like there's plenty of joy apart from a street with busy cars that are going around. We have an opportunity. It remains, verse nine, a Sabbath rest for the people. But this rest is actually in a person. It's in Jesus more than ideas and doctrine. Academic understanding of, of the doctrine of salvation isn't necessarily what comforts us. Just like if there's a crying child and you go to him, it's okay, you actually don't need a Band-Aid, it's actually not that bad. Those words probably aren't gonna stop the tears, but mom and dad wrap their hands around that child. The rest is in the person. The rest is in our relationship with Jesus, even more than proper th theology, even though that's obviously very important. And so we're told that when we enter into this rest, we rest from our works, verse 10. And so we stop working towards our own righteousness, thinking I can do better. If I do better, God will love me more. No, we sung about it this morning. God's love is already perfect for us. Anytime we have a thought of God must be really happy with me right now because seven days of Bible reading in a row, I signed up to serve at the church. I, I didn't do my favorite sin for a week. Anytime we think, oh, God must be really pleased with me more. He must love me more. That's wrong thinking because God loves us perfectly. Whether we're caught up in unfaithfulness and sin or whether we're being faithful, God's love towards us remains. And so we rest securely on what Christ has done to achieve our salvation we, we can't do it. We can't jump far enough over that chasm. Jesus has to do the work. But verse 11 makes it clear. Make every effort to enter that rest. Just because Jesus is the author of our salvation doesn't mean we just sit and observe and let him do everything. Right? That's not a real relationship. That's not, that's not love. This may be a really bad analogy. We'll find out after you react to it. But uh, I was literally just thinking of it this morning. But my wife is so awesome and so patient. That part's true. <laughs> that part is good. Uh, she, she's so great and patient and loves the Lord so much. With probably just 10% of normal marriage effort, I could probably get to the end of my life without a divorce because of how awesome she is. But is that loving? Wouldn't that be the most unloving thing ever to say, sweetie, you take the burden, you do all the work, I'm done with date nights, I'm done with talking, like, like well, you're probably going to still stay married to me. Like, well, yeah, maybe because she's so patient and loving and kind, but what relationship would that be? 
Jesus has saved me. Jesus and his power is enough to keep me eternally secure. Why wouldn't I respond and build that relationship? Why wouldn't I want to get closer to him and show him that I, I love you? The rest is there, but Jesus doesn't force us into it. We make that choice. And hopefully a healthy fear like we've been talking about will lead to some change. You, you've got like a minor heart attack. The doctor's gonna tell you, keep doing what you're doing, more donuts. No, he's gonna, he's gonna say, make some changes. Exercise, eat right. Some change from that scare makes sense. Having a healthy fear of Jesus that leads to some effort makes sense. Doesn't mean we fear, I don't worship in fear, right? But I need to realize he is the judge, not the other people that are, are around me. So faith perseveres specifically with healthy fear and effort. And that can take the form of verse 12, says, for the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the divide, dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is such a big part of our faith growing. But God's word shows us God's heart, God's ways, and it also reveals our heart and our ways. And when those two things are going in different directions, only one of those needs to change. And it's our ways and our hearts getting back in line with the Lord. And God's word reveals this to us. And we shouldn't be surprised when it providentially reveals it to us. Uh, sometimes people will say after a sermon, uh, oh man, it's like you were spying on me. You knew exactly what I was going through. And then I real creepily say, I was. Or, oh, your spouse actually called and told me to preach this sermon, and they're really, they're really mad at first, and I, I think all the time I remind them I'm just teasing, but listen, that's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is timing a sermon for people's hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that even when you miss a couple days of Bible reading and you pick it up and start where you left off, it's exactly what you need in that moment. The word of God is alive and active and relevant to your situation. You're literally just missing out on God's dynamic, encouraging word for your moment of need when we neglect the Bible, when we, when we neglect coming to church. We're just missing out on what is going to help us. And, and our faith will grow as we spend time in the word because it's not about the academic thing, the, the knowledge, although that's helpful. It's how God speaks to us, and then we get to talk back to him in prayer, and the relationship is built. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The more time we spend in God's word, the more perseverant our faith is going to be. And finally, in verse 14, it says, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive and find grace to help us in our time of need. We've talked about a few different things. We say that our faith can be increased and grow with a heart of gratitude that we need the help of others, that we should have a healthy fear and effort, that we should spend time in God's word. But just like in the beginning, verse six, it said Christ is faithful. The only way that we can hold firmly to our faith and our, and our confidence is because we have a great high priest. It's only in Jesus and because of Jesus that we can have this relationship. Paul told Timothy, 
If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot disown himself. It's just who Jesus is that even when we're slapping him in the face and saying, I don't need you, I don't want you, I got this on my own. He's like, I'm still here. I'm still making sure you're, I'm gonna prevent even worse from happening. I am going to remain faithful. And Jesus is different than the other high priests. Jesus didn't just get to, uh, you know, do his daily and monthly routines and once a year go into that holy place of the tabernacle or the temple like the other high priests. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, forever making intercession with us, saying, Father, they need your help. Oh, Father, send the Holy Spirit. Father, we gotta do this or, or they're not gonna make it. Constantly, all the time. And he can empathize with our weaknesses. I love that you could say Jesus has been there because it makes all the difference in the world. It would be different. We'd be grateful if, if Jesus just stayed in heaven and figured out how to save us. But, but Jesus came down to this earth and he experienced our pain. He experienced the temptations and yet was perfect. We can look at our lives and say, Jesus has experienced hurt like I'm experiencing right now. He's been there. Jesus has experienced temptation. He was victorious. He's been there. As we read about tragedies, we, you know, we, we grieve over the human story that we're connecting with and we see one picture that connects us to the story and we think, oh, I can't handle this and we feel the pain. But even more so if we've been there, when there's a tragedy and you could say, Wait, that was my high school, it hits a little differently because you've been there. Jesus came to this earth because he wants to empathize with our weaknesses. And so what do we do? We recognize, I just need to tell God, I am weak and I need your help. And that's verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. If we were given access in Bible times to the temple or to the tabernacle or to to just to talk to the high priest, we would realize, we would know in that time period just how rare and significant that is and how helpful that would be. The devil is trying to discourage us from this access to God that we have, this amazing open door to God that we have. All right, he wants us to think Jesus is unapproachable. He wants us to think Jesus doesn't want us. Jesus is sitting up there thinking, I can't believe you sinned again after all I did for you. That's just not the case, but that's what the enemy of our soul wants us to believe. He wants us to think Jesus is powerless. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's not powerless. He can help us. And so we can approach with confidence, not cockiness, because our confidence is in who Jesus is, that he is faithful. That's why we approach our judge because he's a righteous judge, but we are seen as righteous because of what Jesus did on our behalf. We can approach God confidently and pray constantly about anything, big or small. We can go to God knowing he hears us, and we can go to him anytime, even without a reservation. We can, we can leave God's presence and say, amen. Oh, actually, and slam the door open. One more thing, one more thing, and that's okay. God wants us to do that. We don't need a reservation for this. This past Monday, a friend of mine who's planning a church in, in Brooklyn was in town, and so I picked him up, and uh, we were going to this restaurant that somebody made a reservation for us at in, in Little Italy, San Diego. And so we get there, and it's really busy, so they say, oh, you have a reservation. So yeah. And uh, my friend said, oh, it's under Alan. And they're like, no, it's not under that. A Alan Kahn. Nope. And I'm like, is it under Andy? Andy Dean? And they're like, no. And then they look at the time, and they're like, 
Carlos? And we're like, yeah, Carlos. And we were, but we weren't lying. That first service I, I was told it sounded like we were lying. No, Carlos is the one that my friend was staying at his house and made these reservations for us. But we knew they weren't going to believe us. We're like, okay, that is our friend that made the reservations. We promise if there are another Carlos shows up, we'll leave. But, you know, we didn't, we needed a reservation to get into a, a busy restaurant. Your name is written in the book of life. You have access to the Father. It's not like, you, oh, hey, it's me. He's like, oh, I know. I wrote, you in, I wrote you in the book of life. I know exactly who you are. I authored your salvation. I've been waiting for you to show up. You're not bothering me. You should approach more often. There's only benefit in coming to Jesus. We receive mercy. We receive grace to help in our time of need. And I think more of us are in a time of need than we're admitting to. More of us should say, Lord, I'm weak. How do I hold on firmly? I'm gonna to go to you in prayer and ask you to do the work that only you could do. And this mercy and grace, it doesn't ignore the justice of God. It's in fulfillment of God's justice in light of the cross, in light of what Jesus did for our sins. There can be justice along with mercy and grace. And so if you're here today, and you just have a tendency or a personality where despite hearing this good news that Jesus authored your salvation is keeping you eternally secure, you still wonder if you're going to believe in the future. I wanna leave you with this important verse that Paul told the Philippians. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If, if God has already begun a work in your heart and you are a Christ follower today, Jesus did that. He will also be the one that carries it to the day of completion. He's going to finish that work. It's his faithfulness that's going to do it. But boy, is that good news, and so I respond with good works. Boy, is that good news, and so I respond with belief and, and faith, and God continues to grow my relationship with him. And so, Father, would you do that, Lord? Get, grow our relationship with you. Help us not to fear that you're good or to fear that we really are a child of God. Help us to fear sin and what going down that path could lead to because sin is lying to us. Help us to fear unbelief. A hard heart can lead us to some desperate places, bad places that, that we don't want to be in, Lord. So, Lord, whether it's practicing gratitude about how good you've been to us or, or whether it's relying on other people more and being vulnerable with others and, and joining a life group or discipleship group so that you can have real Christian relationships with others that care about you, that will encourage you, whether it's more time in, in the Word or treating this seriously and having a healthy fear and putting some effort into our relationship with you, all those things will be good for us, Lord, but we rest knowing that you are faithful. It's because Christ is faithful that we are eternally secure. And we wanna thank you and give you praise for that and worship you and respond with love that pursues you because of how good you are. And so we love you, Lord. Continue to help those that are struggling. Continue to help this family that recently lost this deputy. Continue to help those in our church right now that are facing their own difficulties, that are, that are shaking them, Lord. Hold them. You tell us to hold firmly to you. We thank you that you're holding firmly to us. You're holding on to us, God, because you love us. And with that, we are safe and we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a prayer team that is more than happy to pray with you right now if you'd like to come forward. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.